This is Jerry Bingham, host of Hush Loudly on WGN Plus. I started to recognize that it really was up to me to decide when I had enough and was enough as a human being and not anyone else saying, you'll be enough when. Hi, this is Jerry Bingham. Welcome to Hush Loudly. I would like to introduce you to Elizabeth Lyons. She is a writer, a publisher. She's a best-selling author, speaker. She's everything. (laughs) And so I want to talk to her today about her books, about her life, about what she does. Before we get started, I just wanted to talk about some of the titles of her books. So the one that I think is the most fun is Holy Shit, I'm Having Twins. Another one, Expecting Twins, What to Expect When You're Expecting. Ready or Not, There We Go, The Real Expert's Guide to the Toddler Years with Twins. You Cannot Be Serious and 32 Other Rules That Sustain a Mostly Balanced Mom. And then the book that I have read, which is called Enough, The Simple Path to Everything You Want, A Field Guide for Perpetually Exhausted Entrepreneurs. I love that. Welcome, Liz Lyons. Thank you so much for having me. Liz, are you an introvert? I've decided that I am. <laughs> Why? I think I'm one of those. Well, I'm one of those people who for years, uh, people tried to classify me and I accepted it as an introverted extrovert or an extroverted introvert or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think that I do have a combination at times. I mean, I can have my extroverted moments such as right now, but after an interview or speaking engagement, I've got to go take a nap, like mm-hmm. a four-hour nap. Exhausted. Um, so mm-hmm. I think that I tend toward the more introverted side. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I bet people will be surprised. Have you ever come out and said yeah. lately, you know, since you have mm-hmm. this following, you have a podcast, you have all of these people, have you come out publicly and said you were an extroverted introvert or you were any kind of introvert? <gasps> Yes. And, and the extroverted introvert or the introverted extrovert people got. But when I came out kind of recently and said, you know what, I'm, I'm really, I think I'm more an, an introvert than anything else. People were pretty surprised. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bet. So I have here that you are also, outside of being an author, a jewelry designer, a leather mm-hmm. maker, a coach, <laughs> a consultant. <laughs> A product inventor, a, a baker, a, a project maker, manager, an editor, and a mom of five. What else? If that's not um, enough, yeah, no, that's it. And and to be clear, all of those things are not happening concurrently. So those are all <laughs> things that I have done at one point in time, but they're not all things that I'm actively doing on the on the daily right now, for sure. Okay, so I would love for you to talk about enough. It was so meaningful. It was so profound to me. And so that's why I have you here. I want people to go out and read your book and just follow you because you have so much to say. And Oh, well, um, thank you. And I think that what you wrote will resonate with anyone. It's not for introverts. It's not necessarily for extroverts. I don't even think just for uh, entrepreneurs. I think that anyone Hmm. who's looking to grow will find benefit in your book. 
So I want Well, thank you. You're welcome. I wanted to ask you what pushed you there? What led you to writing this book? I think there were two things that were happening simultaneously. One was I had just had enough. Like I had just had enough of so many different things as an entrepreneur and a mom and trying to balance those two worlds and and hearing through the grapevine that is social media, the very, very long and congested grapevine that you have to do this a certain way and you're not a real entrepreneur if you don't do this. And, you know, if you're not out talking to a thousand people a day, you're not going to make it and all these sorts of things. I just had enough of that. And on the flip side, I started to recognize that it really was up to me to decide when I had enough and was enough as a, as a human being and not anyone else saying, you'll be enough when, because I was getting caught up in the trap myself of saying, I'll be happy when, and it'll be enough when, mm-hmm. there, you know, uh, whatever will be enough when. And that's one of the biggest dangers that I think we face is always having that when outside of us. And so those concepts kind of merged together with you cannot be serious. It was a bit of a play on words. You cannot be serious is something I say all the time with five kids, certainly. And it's also a lifestyle. I mean, you just can't, I can't be serious about everything. And so enough played off that same way of of looking at a word in two different ways. And interestingly, shortly before the book launched, I posted on Facebook and I asked, what does enough mean to you? And I just let it go from there. My original thought behind it was that people would answer in terms of when, when, when is it enough? When have you had enough? What does enough look like? And I was surprised that most people's responses were, no more. I've had it. Mm-hmm. You know, shutting down. And so the perception that we seem to just naturally and innately have of the word enough is not a good one. You know, you made me think about it when I was reading your book, because I'm guilty of that, too. Like, I'll talk myself out of something and say, I'm not smart enough, you know, or mm-hmm. I'm, or mm-hmm. I'm not skinny enough, or I'm fat or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm not disciplined enough. And I've even heard myself say, oh, I don't think like that. So my brain doesn't work that way. And why Absolutely. am I doing that to myself? And I see that we do that. And we have to stop that. We do, and I'm guilty of it as well. Mm-hmm. And it's a practice that I've that I've put in place really since I started writing the book and started really thinking about it of mm-hmm. catching myself mm-hmm. in those moments because it becomes habitual. Yeah. I mean, we're just doing it, and we're saying it subconsciously, even if we're not saying it out loud many times. Yes. So yes. it's so important to catch ourselves and and recorrect, not recorrect. That that would be redundant, but. <laughs> Correct. That's correct. Right. And I love and this ties into your theory, how you say in the book, act as if versus believe Mm -hmm. as if. Can you expound on that? Sure. So and I don't even know if this, if this started with me or if it's a kind of a, a, an amalgamation of different theories that I heard in, in all likelihood it is from other people. But we hear a lot. Well, act as if so people will say. What would you do if you, you know, what do you want to do right now? And someone will say, I don't know. And they'd say, well, what would you say if you did know? And or pretend you do know. Act as if you knew. Now what's your answer? So I think that acting as if is a valuable approach when we are not yet where we intend to be. So when we're building a business, when we're navigating a challenge, when we're navigating life in general, act as if we're in the place where we're where we're trying to get and and the energy that that creates. I think that's valuable. And I've seen that 
have value in my own life and in, in other people's lives. Where I think we get into trouble, and I've been guilty of this, is the believe as if. So believing as if takes it a step further. And the example I use in the book is if you act as if you are in a position to go to a really nice restaurant, you might go to that restaurant and get dressed up and do your hair and order something off the appetizer menu, but feel really good there and and great in that space. If you believe as if you are at that level, then you hire a limo to take you there and you ring up a $750 bill and then your credit card declines and then, you know, the the limo won't come back to get you because your credit card. So now you're just standing out on the cold sidewalk alone and broke, you know, and, and in debt to the restaurant. So I think that there's a balance that we have to strike. What I was finding was that especially in this age of law of attraction and manifestation. And these are all the things that people are talking about. And I get it and I subscribe to it. At the same time, sometimes it's taken a little bit too far, in my opinion, to where the person speaking about it is saying, if you just believe you can fly and you jump off the building, you're going to grow wings. And I think that can be dangerous. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. And you also talk about self-love and our relationship mm-hmm. to money and vowing to never work for less than you believe you're worth. That resonated with right. me. I thought that was really interesting. I think that, and certainly in my experience as a writer, writers and creative people are notorious for working for less than their worth mm-hmm. because we look to the outside world to tell us what we're worth, you know. And someone had said to me several years ago, I will never work for less than I'm worth, and I will never pay someone more than they believe they're worth. And that really stuck with me. Interestingly, when you decide what you're worth, and you put that number out there, whether it's an hourly rate or a project rate or whatever, not everyone's going to agree to it, but not everyone would agree to give you a dollar either. The universe kind of shifts around. And once you act as if, you are worth that and you truly, you know, you've honed the skills. I mean, this isn't, this isn't about me deciding that I can do brain surgery tomorrow and going out and charging $3,000 an hour to cut open scalps, right? That's not how it works. But if we take it more realistically, we really do have to own, own that because otherwise everything that we're attracting is treating us as though we're worth the $1 Mm -hmm. and not the $100 -hmm. or whatever the case may be. Mm Mm-hmm. Another thing you said that I enjoyed was when you realized that the words silent and the word listen use the same letters. And I thought about that's so introspective, you know, and so reflective. That's such an introvert thing to even notice that. I didn't know. And to be clear, I didn't know. Someone else noticed it and I just saw it somewhere. (laughs) Really? Well, I just thought that was... I'm sure I saw it on Instagram or something. (laughs) But I had the exact same reaction you did, Jerry. I mean, Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, that is so... That's so profound. I saw... Mm -hmm. um, You may have heard the one impossible if you just put an apostrophe says i'm possible no and there's one circulating on facebook right now well here's a really good one there's one circulating on facebook right now that it has something to do with depression okay depression if you rearrange the letters it's i press on or Mm. i am pressing on or Mm. i something about pressing on i don't i don't have it right in front of me but it's an interesting and unique way to look at words and concepts and Mm -hmm. As we all know, I'm fascinated with words. Yes, yes, you are. And stories. 
And stories. And stories. Yes, that's for sure. Which I want you to talk about that, too. Before we get on to that, I do want to also talk about uh, letting go of things and making mm. making room for the new. And I love how you said get rid of the noise. So how is this true yeah. for you personally, professionally? So I used to be someone who was really afraid to get rid of things. And by things, I, I mean magazines. I mean people. I mean... I am the queen of going into my closet and looking at a shirt that has been hanging in there for eight years and has never been worn (laughs) and thinking, but someday I might want to wear that. (laughs) And so it's not easy. I tried to Marie Kondo my whole world, Mm -hmm. and it was pretty much the most stressful weekend that I've had in quite some time because of the number of things that I had to part with or that I ended up choosing to part with. But in truth, there's only so much space. And so it's in believing, and and the believing oftentimes doesn't come, at least in my experience, until you actually do it and really see, you you believe it, but then once you do it and it happens the way that you hope, it's like, oh, that really did work. So what it enables you to do is not only get rid of the shirt in your closet so that you can put a new shirt in your closet, but if a client comes along or a, a business opportunity comes along and they're not interested or willing to pay you what you're worth, or your values don't align, or your end goals don't align, or whatever, and you politely say no to that, it's having the trust that the right client will then have the space to step in, which you could argue on an energy level, but you can also argue it on a schedule level, because there are only so many hours in the day, and so if you're already working from 6 a.m. to 11 p.m., and you can't stand any of your clients, but you can't take on a new great one anyway, because Mm -hmm. when are you going to sleep? Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, I think it's all just a practice and people are often surprised to learn that I am by nature, a very kind of a hoarding controlling, (laughs) none of this is my nature. So I've had to practice it and, and learn by doing that. This is a much kinder, way to live than the alternative Mm. and is this some of the the types of strategies is like so in your coaching i want you to talk to us about Mm -hmm. your your coaching business and your writing business and uh, so i originally met elizabeth when she was i guess i say hosting what was called write the damn book already it was a little retreat and it was where we talked about how to begin thinking about writing a book because i would love to write Mm -hmm. a book one day but can you talk to us about all of these things that you do in your coaching and consulting Sure. And that was such a fun weekend. That was was. um, Jill Daniels event for Happy Women Dinner. She put this on as a side event and the Write the Damn Book already. So I work with people in three different areas, writing a book, publishing a book and launching a book and also editing. But that that comes in within that. And then those are the things that I do in my own world as well. So I'm an author and I'm publishing and launching books. People I've been doing this since 2002. And there are a lot of things in the publishing industry that have changed, for sure, for the better, in my opinion. And there are a lot of things that haven't changed at all. So I've heard, and those those things have to do with people's mindset around publishing. I've said many times that writing a book, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, is one of the most vulnerable and simultaneously most healing things that you can do. You can certainly be vulnerable and heal without writing a book, but if you're going to write a book, those those are some things that are going to come up. 
And so the same roadblocks will be faced by seemingly almost everyone who sets out to write a book. And so I really just enjoy one-on-one as well as through my online courses, working with people and helping to coach them through, you know, what are you feeling and why is that, why is that, for lack of a better word, completely absurd, right? Because we have to just get to a place where we see it for what it is and then helping to get their story out because I am just such a firm believer that everybody's story matters. So you offer the service of coaching, but also you will help write a book? Like ghostwrite or co-write or? I do ghostwrite. I'm slowing that down quite a bit. I'll only be doing at most two of those a year um, starting in in 2020. But I do the majority of my work is coaching. Nobody can write the book better than the person who lived it. Mm -hmm. I'm a a huge, huge, huge believer in that. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, for people who say, but I'm not a writer and I... I don't like to write and all these things. There are, there are some different solutions that we can employ. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, get yourself a great editor mm-hmm. and your lack of skill writing, whatever you perceive that to be, can be easily mm-hmm. remedied okay. with, with the, you know, by partnering with a great editor. Okay. Uh, tell us about your podcast. So my podcast, which is presently on hiatus, and it's called Authors, Creators, and Visionaries. It's on hiatus. But my two biggest passions in the world, of course, besides my children, because I'll make sure that I've said that, <laughs> is uh, our words and backstories. So when I got started as an author, I even really knew that's what I was or that's what I was doing. I would watch or you know follow successful entrepreneurs, and I'd see where they were today. And that was great and impressive and inspiring. But my question was always, okay, when you were where I am, where you weren't sure how you were going to pay the electric bill, what did you do? I, did you ever have a moment when you weren't sure if you were going to be able to put gas in the car? Like, these are the questions that I had. It wasn't so much, what's your best sales strategy or what networking groups do you recommend? It was, did you ever go through anything like this or am I alone? And so the podcast was my way of having conversations, which I absolutely love to do, with authors, creators, and visionaries who are at all different stages of whatever they're doing and to just chat really honestly and transparently about the journey to where they are. And I think that's, that's the part of story that tugs at my heartstrings the most because if a person listening can recognize that another person who they hold in such high regard mm-hmm. was once and frankly still is just a normal, average, everyday person with the same challenges, questions, fears Mm -hmm. that they have, now all of a sudden it feels more attainable. Mm -hmm. And that's part part of why I'm doing this podcast, you know, talking to regular people, sharing their stories from all walks of life, you know, to just encourage and support others who may need it. Absolutely. I want to also ask you, because we're wrapping it up toward the end, I want to ask you if you have any advice personal or professional for fellow introverts, the regular introvert, the shy introvert, the extroverted Sure. Any advice? So my biggest piece of advice, honestly, is just own who and where and what you are at any given point in time. And don't allow yourself to be swayed in any way Mm. by this notion that you should be something that you're not. If you're if you just stay in alignment with what feels good to you today, the rest will open itself up. Mm, I think that's great advice. It's mm-hmm. not always easy, mm-hmm. but 
It works. It works. How can people find you, follow you, get a copy of Enough or any of your other books? So the best place to find me is my website, which is elizabethlyons.com. And from there, I have um, links to all of my social media. I'm most active on Facebook and Instagram, a little bit on Twitter. But yeah, that's definitely the, the best place to find find everything. Okay. Well, thank you, Elizabeth Lyons, for joining us on Hush Loudly. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash introverts hush loudly. And listen to past episodes at wgnradio.com or hushloudly.com. You know how it feels. I said, I'm sure that she's a second to